Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network. AfterBuzz TV, over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Oh, the treaty sign. Oh, Oh, that's good. Keep going. Yo, yo. Welcome to the After Buzz True Detective After Show, After Buzz TV's True Detective After Show. Um, I'm Joe Braswell. Welcome back to me. I'm here. Uh, I'm not joined by the lovely Joe Sanfilippo, who promised me he'd be here, but he could not. Um, he has a brand new baby, so congratulations to Joe Sanfilippo. He has a good excuse. Yeah, babies. Um, Katie's a little under the weather. We, we wish her the best, but who is here is the lovely Julia Carley. I'm here. It's me and you, kid. Me and you, kid. Just, just Hi, like everybody. like the old days. This is yeah. just... Yeah, kind of. I mean, we, we've been. What else did we do recently together, like this by ourselves? We did a couple Hannibals, Hannibals together. We did yeah. some blacklists this by is, ourselves. This is the way it should be. Yeah. Screw Joe Flippo. If only we had martinis, then it would really be hard yes, to do this. After. Uh, so welcome back. <laughs> uh, I was not here to talk about True, Decept- True Detective episode one, which I'm very, very upset about. But I am here to talk about episode two, uh, Night Finds You, which was phenomenal. I mean, it's, it, we, you know, we got a very, very wonderful, not wonderful, we had a, a shocker at the end, Duh. like an audible gasp, gasp, shocker. Duh. And we can talk about that. I mean, this this is, you know, it really exploded. The internet exploded uh, as, as it would. And I had not seen the episode yet, but like, I just know my Twitter feed was like, no, ha, what? This is like Game of Thrones. What happened? And all my personal text threads were like, dude, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening in the universe? And then, of course, it's True Detectives airing. I'm like, oh, I gotta watch True Detectives. Yeah, you gotta get on so, that. Uh, I want to get. That was a doozy. Yeah, so we, we want to get to that. I did. I have yet. I have seen it twice since then, so there's mm-hmm. a lot to discuss. Uh, I was not here for episode one, so I do want to give uh, a couple things. I want to get done. Um, I want to just talk about uh, just a little of my just very quickly some of my thoughts in episode one, and then kind of get into where we are because I think a lot of what this story does. First of all, both these episodes were super freaking dense in terms of yes. like, like get, you know, world building, like setting up the world, setting up the four main characters, all their motivations, who they are individually, like the, the, the real sense of geography between the city of Vinci and, and Ventura County. And then anyway, the word of the road that Taylor Kitsch is on and like just a sense of LA geography. And then, all the motivations and how they converge, and then the, the corruption backstory, and all the, like so much to get done. Episode one, while like setting the mood, while coming on the heels of a wonderful season one of True Detective. Mm-hmm. So there's all that, and then episode two, we kind of get to it, and then there's still a lot to unpack. There's just so much going on. And like, okay, so I mean, I did two full watches, taking notes, and I was like, and now I'm reading the internet and checking my notes, and then looking again. I'm like, oh yeah. But thank God we're not watching it and running in here and discussing it like we usually do. Oh, right. no, that's too much. Okay. So um, I just want to say, so I, uh, you know, as we know, season one ex- completely exploded the internet as well. I mean, it was just, you know, it was it was its own industry, like, you know, tons of podcasts and tons of thing pieces and Twitter feeds and everything else. And people just could not stop talking about flat circles and yellow kings and all that stuff. And it was fantastic. We all loved it. And some people hated it, but we all loved it for the most part. Season two, highly anticipated. We get here. Um, this time, a lot more polarizing. People were really out of the gate, like I hate it. What's happening? And people, a lot of people, are like I love it. People miss Carrie Fukunaga. Uh, uh, people are on this whole: is uh, Nick Pizzolatto a misogynist, a hole? Um, his Vanity Fair piece came out. Some people were not liking that. Um, but uh, I, on the other hand, thought it was masterful the way it set up this world, as the things I just said, set up these characters, 
and I thought it had a real chance for some acting to be done. After watching that, I was all set for season two. Um, and I think I have nothing more to say about you guys. Did a pretty good job of talking about it. Excellent job of talking about it last week. And um, I, 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 for one, gave it a freaking thumbs way up. I'm, way up. I'm not one of those first people who were like, I don't know, Nick Pizzolatto, Justin Lin, Fast and Furious, blah, blah, blah. I think Justin Lin is doing a great job um, bringing that aesthetic that Carrie Fulang has set up um, in those in the, in the first season, sort of bring, bringing his own thing to it. I think that, you know, all those shots in the set piece the bar set piece with like Vince Vaughn and um, you know or shall we say Frank and Ray staring at each other with the music playing in the background the chick like that is all very sort of like surreal and eerie straight from sort of that 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 feel that I think Kerry Fukunaga set up that visual and, and audio language that he set up in season one um so Justin Lin obviously known for the Fast and the Furious movies is directed the first two or three I'm not sure He's not doing all of them like Fukunaga did, like Fukunawa did. I can't messing up his name. Who knows? Uh, but which was probably an impossible feat. I mean, to direct an eight-hour movie essentially mm-hmm. and get all the locations and all that done. I mean, that's something you'll probably won't see again because he probably I think he almost killed himself doing it. Probably. But uh, so Justin did the first two or three, and then they've got some of like HBO and Showtime's best doing the back half. People from Game of Thrones and. And, and Homeland and some others. So I'm very excited about what we're here to see. And I, I like the idea of having these all-star team of directors give us a second look. But the one thing that is constant is Nick Pizzolatto's writing, his ability to sort of like set up these wonderful, the deep, gritty detective stories based around broken, broken people. Um, and and he's done that here. We have three people from three different municipalities and, 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 um, and jurisdictions who are all broken, in various ways, all sort of colliding into each other to sort of solve one murder, um, and we get into that. So, um, well, I want to get into that, but like, what uh, did I miss anything? Anything you want to talk about about sort of like the the, the world of True Detective itself? Anything that you want to add? That you didn't talk about last week. Um. Well, you pretty much covered it right there. That was pretty good. That's you like got my, it all my out. Ten minute monologue. Wow, that was good. <laughs> well, I was here last week. Like, <laughs> so much to was, say. I want to say stuff. Um. Uh, I. I. I'm loving how they're building this world. You know, I'm and really, um, digging this tone that they're setting and this gritty, seedy yet. Mm-hmm kind of sensual underbelly of Los Angeles and all the uh, surrounding counties and how they interact with each other. Um, And I am really fascinated by the unpacking of these characters and that they're taking their time doing it and giving us little tidbits. And we learn more with their interactions between each other, I feel, this episode than we did the last episode. Um, So we're definitely digging deeper um, into these characters, into their worlds. And um, I I actually loved this episode. I watched it twice also. And Mm -hmm. the first time I watched it late last night, I was like, um... Okay, and then I rewatched it today. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was so, I mean, my notes are so dense, but this, yeah. this episode was so dense and there was so much information. A lot, a lot of, um, politics, um, a lot of, um, you know, big deals being, going on. Um, uh, you know, it was really quite a fascinating episode. So I actually had to do it with the captions on for the, for yeah. the second viewing. I had the same, I had the same, uh, interaction or same reaction to the first episode. I watched, like watched it was just kind of in awe of like what I was seeing visually and the mood it was set and I thought I got it I'm like I get it wow this is great and I watched it again I'm like oh I missed all of this mm-hmm. I missed <laughs> so much subtext and actual like what's happening I'm like oh so these are all these are at least two two watches because like, they're so dense and because you know Nick Pizzolatto is you know he, he he's an author right so he writes sure. his, his it's all about prose and like the what he writes and the words are so important and what he's drawing is so important um, and then you take a visual stylus and, and put that on top of his words. There's so much to take in. I think you know you need one viewing just to take it in visually and aesthetically, and then one viewing to dig in and like and get into what's happening. So I recommend that uh, or more because I'm sure I'll watch both episodes again back to back as mm-hmm. I did season one, which is amazing. So let's get into this. So let's talk about what we do know and where we are. Okay. Um, so because we're like you know, and I think a way, good way to do it is sort of talk, we'll talk about where we are, what we know uh, in the world itself, and then we'll sort of get in and talk about the journey of each character because I think it's kind of hard to talk about this linearly because yeah. there's so many things going on. So I think we'll we'll take it down. We'll talk about Officer Paul Woodrow. We'll talk about Detective Annie Bizzaretti, as I think it is. We'll talk about Frank. How do you, how do you pronounce Vince Vaughn? Frank Simeon. Okay, because I want to say Semen. That's not right. That's not right. Okay. That would be incorrect. <laughs> yeah, that would be correct. Semyon. 
Simeon. Frank Simeon. I want to talk about, uh, and then we'll talk about, of course, uh, Revo Coro, and then we'll kind of get into our own things. But like, sure. where we were, where we are. Okay, so one of the things I love about why I was so excited about season two of, of True Detective is finding out a it was set in L.A., which is we're both from here, mm-hmm. so we're both, we're both excited about that. Um, also, being a fan, I'm a personal fan of L.A. crime novels and L.A. crime stories. I mean, all this, and they're usually sort of based in whether it's whether it's films or writing, whether you go to like things like uh, uh, you know the Nick Pelicano's work or or or, or um, my guy Elmore Leonard, who mostly does Miami stuff, uh, to all these films like Chinatown and other films that really deal with uh, L.A. in the 30s and 40s and 60s and now. Um, even even Inherent Vice is another one of those. It all they all sort of deal with like deep, deep, deep corruption in sort of the building of what LA is today, whether it's in the thirties or now. And they deal with like uh detectives working within an apartment that has but it's usually kind of corrupt or has some different interests. And all among this tapestry of the diverse doing it in Los Angeles in a sort of very specific way. And a good LA crime story is like my favorite thing. So I'm very happy. I'm also happy with the geography, with what he's doing there, because he's doing this story without even doing, like, you know, when we heard L.A., we all thought, okay, LAPD. There's been a thousand LAPD stories, but he's not even touching LAPD. Mm-mm. He's Maybe he couldn't, you know, but maybe he decided. But it's a very smart thing for him to d- go to this fictional city of Vinci, which we know in L.A. is probably City of Commerce. Probably. You know, somewhere around there. And, uh, and which is just, just outside, like, literally just outside the L.A. borders. Mm-hmm. It's its own municipality. L.A. has a ton of these cities around it that, are, that have their own police departments and municipalities and their own, you know, mayors and everything else and who have, in real life, had some corruption issues, but also in real life, you know, are integral to Los Angeles and the building of, like, Los Angeles as we know it. So it's ripe for all this sort of, like, corruption and things to happen. So I love that. Um, and then taking it way out to where you grew up. Yep, the Ventura Vin- County. Ventura County, you know, way out there where where, um, where Annie Bizzaretti is, is from and, and her gang. It's really yeah. not that far away. It's far. Oh, for me it is. I mean, it might as well be China. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> it's 20 miles. All right, uh, so way out there, which is cool, and getting a real sense of geography and what mm-hmm. that's like. And then, so you have those two, so you have, a, you have a, a city person, and then you have a county, you know, sheriffs, and then you have a state. You have the, the Highway Patrol, which is a state. So you have state jurisdiction, you have county jurisdiction, and you have a city jurisdiction. That's really interesting to start, just to start. So what we have is, um, all this up against the background, and we, we meet Paul, um, uh, I'm sorry, Frank, who's a, who's a who is a, uh, a, a sort of a, a Gangster looks like looking like he's trying to go straight. Sure, he has this giant transportation rail thing going through. It seems to hinge on this guy. Uh, what's my man's name? On on on, on Ben Casper. And Casper hinge on him and his money and some money that he paid to Casper to do this. Casper then disappears, of course, mysteriously, leaving Vince Vaughn leverage. Never making the deal for him. Never making the deal for him. So he has his five million dollars in his pocket, right? And he's dead. And we find this out in this episode that like how exactly how leveraged he is and how big of a deal this was Absolutely. Uh, for him. It was everything. So in the meantime, uh, we have we have uh, in in um, in uh, Frank's pocket is the, is the broken uh, Ray Velcoro, mm-hmm. who is who obviously has is is in his pocket is a broken man. We see him do a lot of bad things and abuse himself and and other people's uh, fathers in a lot of ways. Last week and his own child and his own child uh, and a lot of cocaine and Johnny Walker Blue and weed. You know, <laughs> as for breakfast, what a way to go! <laughs> then, uh, but like, so he is charged with sort of. Uh, by, by the, the police department working this missing persons case to find Casper, and then which turns into a murder investigation that he's on, right? So there's that. He's, the Casper is found by uh, by Officer Paul Woodrow, yep. who's Highway Patrol, mm-hmm. who, because it was found on their highways, they have jurisdiction, it's state thing, yep. so they put him on this as well, and we'll talk about why in a second. And obviously it's Ventura County, which was found on, which is... Um, which is Rachel McAdams, Annie's turf. Mm-hmm. So he put her on this as well. So the three of them are sort of forced to work this one case together, and all with different agendas. Yes. I think that that as a as a as a setup is fascinating. I agree. And then what we find out along the way uh, about uh, f- about Frank's character and past and what he's what he's doing about Paul, about Annie, about all these people is 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 great. So I don't know. That, that, that's kind of anything else. Oh, and then we have this. One, one thing I do want to mention: we have this mayor. This Mayor Chesney, what's his name? Chesani. Chesani. Played Please. by... First of all, this guy is so drunk. 
<laughs> All the time. He is wasted. Yes, he is. And, and props, shot to my guy Richie Costner, uh, TV's Anthony Garrick from uh, from the Blacklist. Yes, that's him. That, that's so him. Really? That's, that's oh, Anthony Garrick. That, that's me not Scarface. making connections. Well, because really? he's acting his ass off. He really is. And he's British, and he's you know he's, he's in real life, and he's Anthony Garrick. To see him, this guy. Oh. I mean, I would never, I never would have put that together. So I just didn't even so think many about great performances that. In here, including- He's created such a like dense, slimy, gross, and kind of off-putting character. Even those every interaction he has with Vince Vaughn, even the handshake, you just want to like at the beginning. And he's like, even the first time you the see first, him. I was just going to say, the first time you see him with the champagne that he doesn't give to his wife. And, and well, first of all, he's got his hand, uh, his hand on his wife or girlfriend's ass, mm-hmm. like gripping it. Champagne in one hand. And he's got two glasses in another hand. Like, he's like doing it. Like in the first like 30 seconds. Yeah. And he's like, I'm the mayor. It's like, well, who is this guy? So yeah, he's uh, interesting. But one thing I don't understand exactly is he's also the state's attorney. And this is where my whole like ignorance in, you know, like, like state and local government like go out the window and, and anyone on Ooh. YouTube can tell me I'm an idiot and help me out and explain this to me. Oh, yeah, I know you're going to have to help me out that. I don't he's think all, I he's, even he's knew the that mayor he's... of Vinci, but he's also yes. the state's attorney or he's a former state's attorney or, he's, or he holds both. And I don't know how that works, but that's, I don't know that's, either. that's an interesting sort of thing. And this is why he's, you know, uh, but he's talking about a broken man. This guy's wasted. So anyway, uh, <laughs> shout out to him, but the interactions between him and Vince Vaughn have been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let, let's let's start with just let's just go through these characters and okay. start where they are. Um, I, let me get the first review on you know on Taylor Kitsch playing Paul Woodrow. Uh, he was probably my least favorite in episode one, probably the least clear drawn. He just had a lot. We knew he's some sort of adrenaline jerky, j- jerky junkie. <laughs> we know that he uh, has has does, done um, con- military contract from. Uh, what's it called? Not, black not, Mount- black, not Blackwater, but it's like it's um, uh, black, Mountain, black Mountain, which is like a sort of a Blackwater sort of mm-hmm. security fo- force, private security. So we assume that we learned today that they did bad things. Well, you know, the, the private security. Anytime you hear private security forces and black blank, there's there's precedent in history to sort of talk about those guys who go in and support the military, but also are for hire. So we can assume that he's done some very very bad things, and he's but he's military trained, and he's. But he does Put, say he did it all for for America. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a question. Like, because the, the the Blackwater and all those guys are like so. People question them all the time. Like, oh, Blackwater, you're a mercenary. What'd you do? And he's like, hey, man, like I'm 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 for the USA. Yeah. So he's one of those guys, which sort of gives him. We know he's done some terrible things. We also know that he's highly trained military. We also know that he's also covered in scars that he says happened before he went to the desert. Right. He also has to take some Viagra to have sex with his with his very sexy girlfriend. Yeah, she's really hot. Um, and uh, which I didn't, which which I didn't know what that. I, I just assumed that that was because he is you know so effed up in the head and is not really into it. But now in this episode, there's some serious hint that there may be a sexuality issue, right? Yep. Right. Because you know his homophobic attitude and him peeking out the window. Yep. And, like what? So, uh, so from episode one, to episode two, we've learned a lot about uh, about um, about Detective Paul. But what do you? We thinking? also met his mother. We also met his mother. Yes, now, she we, is a little off-putting yeah. and clingy and touchy. Yeah, and we're a little jealous of, of other women in his life. And now we know we know, we know. Look, we come off HBO where there's like incest like crazy. Everyone, yeah. everyone's like having sex with everyone's yeah, mother, and mother all the time. Like, so boom, no problem. It, it, That's what we do, yeah, Lannisters. Incest. Who cares? Yeah. Hey. Like let's see it all the time. And then it switches over to the sort of a non fantasy world, and the hint of it, just the hint of it. Oh, we, we, we do Bates Motel. You know, we do Bates Motel as well, mm-hmm. which is like. Full of like you know like uh, there's some incest in that storyline. There's also the threat of incest at any given moment. I'm like okay, somehow here it was like ew, just the whole setup in the trailer and the Kentucky uh, Fried Chicken ugh. and like and her like cigarette and her cocktail. And She's it, like rubbing his leg. Oh yeah, and the thumbing in the hand. <laughs> well, let me let me back up. Ah! Where, where, how, where are you on Taylor Kitsch? Let's get some just, just on performances, and then we'll get to the character. Where, where are you on Taylor Kitsch's performance after, after episode two? Um, after episode two, um, I'm still I'm still fascinated by him. I'm not exactly sure what's what's happening and what the performance is yet. Well, let's separate um, the character from the performance because we'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about Paul Woodrow in a second. But how do you think Taylor's doing? I'm just curious about you because we both had we both had some very pointed thoughts on Taylor Kitsch and coming in. So how do we feel about him now? 
I feel better about him this episode. Um, that one scene with his girlfriend, the breakup, this is on you, not yeah. on me. I was like, oh, there he is. Okay, yeah. there he is. But yeah. he he doesn't have that much to do, really. Sure. There's a lot of staring off, and he's doing great at staring off and looking like he's dead inside yeah. and never present. Yeah. Um, but now that we're getting hints about his sexuality and some issues that are going on there, maybe the way he grew up... Um, I think that he is Taylor Kitsch is bringing that to the character slowly in a slow burn kind of way right. um, that sort of grabs hold of me. And I, I look forward to seeing how this erupts out of him. Right. And and yeah, that's sort of where I am thus yeah. far. I, I'm with you. Uh, I think he's, I think I think he did a great a better job. I mean, well, I think he's doing great. I, I'm, I'm totally in. Uh, I don't want to say I did a 180 because I was never out on him, but I thought that he's. I'm really interested in what's going on with him. I think you're right. We haven't seen a lot of him, but the little bits that we're getting. The most interesting thing about this character for me is that, uh, like, when you when you think about Detective Bizzaretti's and Detective uh, Vaccaro, these are all two broken people, completely broken, but seem to be sort of self-aware of their brokenness. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'm effed up. I know I'm effed up, so shut up. Quit bugging me about it. Yeah. You know? Whereas um, uh, Officer Woodrow, like, seems to be a bit in denial about most of his... I think he's in denial and suppressed. And suppressed. Like, super suppressed about his... He's playing it like, this stuff is coming out in other ways, and the adrenaline stuff, or coming out in other ways. Like, whatever happened over there, whatever he's suppressing with his sexuality, whatever's going on with whatever happened with his mother, or is happening with his mother. Like, that, that, that argument he had with his girlfriend was so telling. It, she, he, with him, like, it's on you! And she's like, in plain language, like, you're hurting me. This does not, like, she's doing everything you are told to do in therapy or any kind of, yeah. in any kind of psychological way. And was absolutely right. And he's, like, freaking out. Like, what do you want me to be? This is on you. I'm, I'm on my way back. She's like, I don't want to see you anymore. Yep. So, I mean, like, that level of damage and that level of suppression, and including the homophobic remarks he made, you know, um, in the episode, or did I miss that one? Like, did hmm? he, did, didn't he? Didn't yes. He? Yeah, okay. He did. So including that, He talks about is, uh, some guy at the bank hitting on him. Yeah, which is a good one. And he wanted to, like, beat him up. Yeah, which is like, like you know. dude. Dude. Come on. Know. But it's also just sort of like. But now it makes sense. It, but he but he doesn't, he genuinely seems as someone who is not aware. Like, who does not have the mirror in front of him yet and knows something's wrong with him or feels something's bad. But he's really damaged. And that's, that's an interesting character to play. It could be a caricature in some ways. It's, 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 it's on the line of caricature. Like, this guy who's, you know. Uh, full of rage, and, for, and we're all as an audience for obvious reasons. Like, duh, you're gay. Duh, you have PTSD. <laughs> duh, duh. Your mom, you know, you sex your mom, whatever. But, <laughs> I know. but like, it's it's good to see him play that, right? I yeah, know. I think it's bubbling to the surface, and I, I, um, I think that moment of realization, or if he's called out on it, um, I think that something will erupt, and I, I am confident that he will give us a stellar performance. Yeah, I, 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 like, that I like where it's going. So, in terms of like what he's doing as a Ooh, that was perfect. That felt nice. Yeah. Thanks, man. Got some air. That felt good. Uh, <laughs> was like, it's like 105 degrees outside, guys. 105 degrees outside. 105. Woo! Actually, LA. 105. Uh, so, um, what we, so, what we found out about his character, so he, we found out that he's assigned to this case as uh, more of a special. Uh, special special uh, investigator. Uh, investigator. He's a state's investigator. States That's investigator. what his new detail is. Right. And this is an opportunity to sort of get him the stink of this like weird TMZ written story about him um, and the and, and the propo- and the, you know, the uh, propositioned situation with the porn star, which mm-hmm. I don't think actually happened. I think that I don't think he did it. I don't. I I was yeah. convinced last week that he had done it because right. he was an adrenaline junkie. The only way he could get it up. After we've learned a little bit more, I'm pretty convinced that he did not. Yeah, so he didn't do it. I think, I think the story just got out and they, and they were just saying, yes. we don't want to put you on leave, but we got up. It's it's normal. We got to put you on leave. Yeah. So what they're saying here is, you're the best man for the job uh, based on your sort of Blackwater or Black Mountain experience mm-hmm. and based on who you are. If you do this right for us, we can get you full investigator status. You'll be awesome. Everything will be great. It'll make you go away. Plus, He we, likes the bike. Right. But, but, but us, as the state, wants to figure out what the hell is going on in Vinci, yep. what the hell is going on with this with the state's attorney guy, and we need you on that. That's your unofficial mandate. So we yep. need to work two jobs for us. Absolutely. And, and, and he's doing that. And him, he's like, just get me back on the bike. I like the bike. I like the bike. <laughs> like, he just wants to turn those lights out and whip, whip that bike down to Mulholland. See he's what no happens. good on the sidelines. Yeah. So, um... 
So that's him. So he's and we see him a bit of him in action, and I think that he, I think that he, he feels like, and this is one of the things that Nick Pizzolatto does really well, like the, the the hallmarks of great detective stories when he does well, like highly, highly broken, broken, broken people, but are but are supremely and highly competent at what they're at their jobs. Like I love the idea of these people who are like super insanely great at their jobs, but super broken, and then having that like smash on top of each other because it's like your head's like, well, you're such a mess. But you're such a good detective, but you're so bad at life. But he's not a detective. This is his first time. No, but I'm saying, but he, but, but he's good. I, I feel like so far, see, he's, he seems very competent. Like, we've only seen him as having a body and, and, and talk to people. But, like, I get the feeling that he's very competent, especially back from, from what he had to go through back when. I mean, mm-hmm. this is my, I don't know. What did you, what did you think? I think he was a victim of circumstance. Sure. I think he stumbled upon this body, and now the state is um, using that to to look into Da Vinci. They're putting him on this public investigation that right. he's, uh, you know, uh, going after the killer for trying to figure that out, investigating all of that, doing detective work. But really, they're using him as a pawn to get more intel on what's happening in Vinci. Right. I do love the device they used at the beginning of the sh- show to sort of, uh, when they have them all together examining the body, which which that one's pretty gross. Oof. Uh, that, that, what a way Oof. to go. That hurt? That hurt a lot. Did that hurt? All of it all. I mean, you know. First of all, the eyes, you know, and we'll get to Vince Vaughn's monologue about the yeah, eyes later, and that, and that cool trans- transition from the watermark to the yeah, eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Justin Lin, for that. That was like, cool. Uh, but yeah, that 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 them standing over that like over the over the morgue with the coroner, like going over everything, and then as they're going everything, you get to hear why that person's there. So you get like you get Paul's backstory. Paul, mm-hmm. this is what you're doing here. This is what you're doing. So we, as an audience, get that. And then you same thing with uh, uh, Vilcaro, same thing with uh, Bizzaretti. So I thought that was kind of a cool device. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's on the case. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, we'll see uh, how he handles this. Before we leave, um, you know, the, the hint of the sexuality and the hint of all this other stuff, like, what did you make specifically? We touched on it. I don't want to get too, linger too far on it. What did you make of the whole uh, scene with his mother? Like, what, what, what did you what did you take away from that? I think my face, if you're watching it on YouTube. I know it's gross, but... Says it all. <laughs> but do we think that they have, that they have had, that obviously maybe that she could have abused him coming up? Do they actually have an active sexual, sexual relationship? She's like, come on, stay. She's like, commenting on his body? Oh, you're looking good. Oh. Like, oh all of that's I don't like, like it. Mom. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Knock it off, mom. <laughs> I can't even. I can't. Okay, mom, I've been in the gym, but yeah. You're a bear just like your daddy. Yeah. Whoa! But you got wolf's blood. Wolf's blood. Yeah, you got that wolf's No, hounds. What is it? it I don't remember it now. Like I don't know. Because like, who, Some basically beast. like, who are you effing? I know you got hounds blood and you like a daddy. Oh my God, gross. Oh, I don't know. Um, By the way, that, I'm your mom. <laughs> Okay, let's not. Do you have anything you can, I mean, obviously, there's there's something going there's on. Something going is, on. Is there speculation that like she's just inappropriately on him, and he's rebutting, re- 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 or is there actual is there an actual active relate sexual relationship? Um, I think there may have been some abuse in the past. I get the hint that like a couple of, a couple of glasses of more, more a couple more glasses of wine, and they hung out to watch that movie. There might have been some some DSing going on or something. Please no. I know. Just no, let's move on. All right, let's move on. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, just now, I just said DSing on a podcast. Uh, let's move <laughs> like, I said it again. I said it twice. <laughs> what was that? Uh, all right, so let's move on. So, okay. um, no real connection to Paul into all this directly yet. He's still in the peripheral. Yes. So, we'll, so obviously, we're going to, we, as we see from previews, this is going to turn into, as we see, a, a sort of Woodrow Bezzaretti's sort of investigation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as of right now, it's in the outskirts. Uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about Annie, um, who I love as a character. I mean, she's uh, she's hard. We had some really, really good stuff between her and Colin Farrell. Some really good stuff. In, Great scenes you in know, the car. I mean, this is stuff that, you know, I, li- I live for. Like, on, on a, you know, on, on the, whether it's the written detective stories or the film detective stories, a lot of this in True Detective... Two detectives riding in a car who may or may not like each other, talking about the case, trying to size each other up, figuring out what's going on. I mean, True Detective was a lot of that. A lot, a of, lot of A that. lot of Woody uh, and, uh, you know, um, and McConaughey. And McConaughey in the car, like, talking things through and philosophizing about life. And so we get a little hint to that with these guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, my favorite is, well, we, we, so we see them sort of investigate this thing together. Both of them are, are like, you know, you know, um, uh, uh, Vicaro's sizing her up the whole time, and you know, I mean, he's 
I won't get it's to awkward, the isn't it? Yeah, but he's just the acting that that cat's doing. Like, forget about it. Colin Farrell's like killing he can't be done. The game, like his face, his fucking like eyes, his eyebrows and his, his eyebrows, sad eyes and that eyes. mustache. Like he's killing the like, game. Like I want him on screen constantly. I don't know. Ugh, poor, I don't know. He's so, breaking my heart and terrifying me all at the same time. So Rachel McAdams is like he's sizing her up, but she's doing her thing, and she is. Laser, laser, laser focus. Yes. Laser focus on this case. Laser focus on everything else. Um, we do get a small window into her. She's also has her own. We find out she has her own mandate. They give her the same mandate. Yeah. Like, hey, exactly. we want you to go out and solve this thing, but but, but just check out this guy Volcaro. Word is that he's dirty. Mm-hmm. So you know, and you see what you can do about that. So everyone's kind of playing their angles, which is interesting. So she's answering to, to those folks. Uh, you know, Taylor Kitsch is answering to the state, and of course, uh, you know, Detective O'Carroll's answering to Frank and the, and the and the city of Vinci as well, and the city of Vinci. So, who's who, the whole city seems to be sort of in the in, you know corrupt yes. in some way, uh, shape or form. So, let's talk about Rachel. Um, interesting woman. Uh, the telling, like you know, all, we we see her her crib. She's got the, I forget the book, the Japanese book. I forget book. what the book is too, yeah. And she's got like the, the, the knives she all over the wall, place. She has that wall, yes, some weapons she's and knives. She's got the knife dummy. Like she, she has the knife in her, uh, in her belt buckle. Knife in her belt buckle. In her boot. In her boot. She's ready for some action. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 there I want to know your thoughts on this as, as, a, as a woman, because I'm not one of those. But like her thoughts on law enforcement or like having to face these guys and that idea of like what we do is the same except for... You can. I can be physically I, overpowered by any of these guys at any given time. So that's not going to happen to me. Um, what do you think that says about her? What do you think that? Uh, how you, I, I, I love. I that. loved it actually because I was a little. I found her character in episode one to be a little like stereotypical, like an angry woman with daddy issues. Like I was like, okay, I've seen it before. But now, which she still I mean, has. Kitch, Kitch has mommy issues, clearly. Yeah, apparently, everyone has some parental issues in this show. Um, but I think that they definitely expanded upon her motivations um, into her character a lot more in this episode. I thought that line of, could you do this job if everyone you encountered could overpower you? Um, I thought that was extremely telling of where she's coming from. Because, I mean, Rachel McAdams herself, she's a little girl. She's yeah. really teeny tiny. Yeah. But she is tough as nails on, on the show. I don't want to F with her. No. No. God, no. no. She's into some kinky weird stuff, well, too. I didn't say I didn't want to F her. I said I want to F with her. I gotcha. S and D's. I'm just, I'm just killing the whole podcast. I'm just... <laughs> right. Right. Um, okay. Um, but I feel like they're creating her as a more, like, fully formed right. character now. Yeah. Um, which I was really worried was not going to happen. This is this. Well, I'll go to that before I start going my, like, relax everyone rant. I got, I got so mad. Go ahead. Finish. Oh. What? No. I, I was on this whole, like, <laughs> this isn't, this is. One episode of an eight-hour eight hour movie. I know. Like, episode one where he's just setting the table. People were so, like, the internet was so, like, yeah, character, this, I don't know where this is going. This is dumb. This is stupid. Leave it. I'm like, everyone relax. No, like, I agree. Not, I mean, not, not necessarily you, but you two. But, like, <laughs> like g- g- give the man some time. Give him another episode to flesh these characters out. I completely agree with you. It was just from, like, from your first impression. You know, you have first impressions. You're allowed to have first impressions. Thank you very much. Not in my house. (laughs) (laughs) No first impressions. The first impression was pretty stereotypical. Right. But now we're we're digging a little deeper, and um, she, too, is acting the hell out of it. I love her. I love her hair. She looks good. I mean, whatever's happening, it's good. And um, she's definitely extremely layered. Sure. And let me me ask you. So what, what, you know, as we're digging deeper about the dad... Uh, I mean, he said something about like you know five kids, two of them su- suicide. So five kids. Away. Okay. So One first of, of all, I had born. questions about that. So the doctor said that um, he had a daughter. Doctor Rick Springfield, by the way. Yes, Doctor Rick Springfield. ABC's rock doc from General Hospital. I wish I had Jesse's girl. Pop sensation. Pop sensation. Made a recent comeback on the Foo Fighters. I love Rick Springfield. I do too. All right, go ahead. Um, Unrecognizable. Anyways, he he refers to he t- he's talking about Elliot and and the the good people, right? Is that what it was? Yes. The good people. He says that Elliot had a daughter, not two daughters. Where's Athena and all this? Yeah. She also says that there were five kids there when I was growing up, two in jail, two committed suicide, yeah. and I'm the last one who became a de- detective. Again, where's Athena and Athena all of this? Probably in jail. One of this. One of those in jail. I think she was probably one of the ones in jail. Like two in jail now, or two have been in jail. 
I'm, I'm assuming Athena is one of the ones who was in trouble. I think like two troubled daughters. Two. He only says there ones. was one daughter. I don't know. I just okay. picked up. I thought that was very specific. Wow. Well, the question is because okay, fair in, enough. In some of my conversations, no, I don't know. But in some of my conversations with with others, Lola and some other folks, like we were like, is was I mean, was she abused? That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that it was like some cult like activity, some as she calls it hippie shit, free love. Right. Don't yeah. care how old you are. Hey. Probably didn't wear clothes on the commune. Really you're, you're going you get a lot of you have a lot of, a lot of theories about this commune. <laughs> I never I don't know what I don't know what happens in the I don't happens in these communes, but you seem to have some theories. Let me tell you all about it. So there's no there's no clothes. <laughs> what else happens there? No clothes. <laughs> like they walk around. <laughs> Free love, man. Free love. Free love, baby. Uh, yeah, who knows what happens with these hippie communes? I don't know, but I agree. Uh, but so, yes, I do believe that there was some abuse, um, probably sexually. Yeah, okay, maybe, but not by the dad. But who knows? Not necessarily. Okay. Maybe. Uh, the other really interesting thing that we saw is uh, her, you know, and, 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 and you know, we, we've all may or may not have done this, but her sort of, it's starting out, her like, We've all done this version of the internet rabbit hole. We've all done the version of the internet where you're working, 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 and then you click on something else, you click on something next. Next thing you know, you're in a deep dive on something else, and you're like, uh-huh. you know, watching episodes of Gilligan's Island, right? Gilligan's Island. She does the deep dive of like starting to investigate, which leads her on some other thing, which leads her on some other thing. Next thing she knows, she's watching some hardcore DP porn, like with dead eyes. Like, there it is. I'm gonna watch. Like, <laughs> like that says that's a lot about that character. Like, we know that she's obviously into from someone into some und, un, undescribed, you know, something sexual that you know was so uncomfortable to the guy that he was like, "Ugh, I just didn't expect that." And she's like, "Get out!" Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, like, you like that sometimes, but sometimes. beat it. And now here. She's very much like, you know, walking through uh, Casper's sex den with dildos and all kind of junk bumping around like it. Yeah, this guy. He thinks about effing a lot. He's about effing a lot, whatever. But then goes in out her, you know, her, her, her uh, internet rabbit hole, which ends her on some hardcore porn. And the look is just like, porn. Like, how do, what, what does that say? Do you think it was a boring stare? Huh? You think it was a boring stare? It was a dead stare. It wasn't like, there was no, I mean, this is really breaking down her stare, but I, I didn't <laughs> see it. There was no, it wasn't played for titillation. It wasn't played for like, I'm turned on. It wasn't played. It was just like, I found myself here. I I have to go here. I'm watching porn. Here it is. And then it was, I mean, it just felt like no reaction. Like she clearly wanted to watch it. It was watching it for pleasure, but no, it's gaining no pleasure from watching okay. that. That's that I, I see. Got from yes. That, okay. I'm know? with you. Um, just like me. She was watching some hardcore stuff there. I mean, there's no pleasure in that. No, God, no. I mean, porn? Gross. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, so, um, yeah, so, I mean, what, what what does that say to you about her character? That she's seen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, a little, uh, Free love. Free love. Free love on the commune. Like on the commune. All right. Ain't nothing she hasn't seen before. So uh, what she does get to it, you know, I do want to get to these conversations she has with with, with uh, Colin Farrell. And, they do, and Colin sort of really, well, we'll talk about we'll talk about him. He really kind of, you know, kind of sort of admits to some stuff, but not really. Not really. You know, he kind of says, look, you've heard this about me. You've heard that about me. Like, you know, and she's like, all right, I, I accept it all. And then she asks him, how compromised are you? And he's like. Bye. <laughs> see you later. One question too many. Bye. Um, but you get you got you started to see some mutual respect there. Like really, Detective Vicaro really felt like this chick knows what she's doing. He she's treating him like I'm trying to solve this case. You're in my way. Here, go work these leads. Call these numbers. Find that stuff out. I'm going to be overworking the case. This is you know you're in my way. And then there was some sort of cracking. And they did have a cool conversation about you know the backdrop of what you know the city of Vinci is, which is sort of like. You know, he, you know, Colin Farrell does that like mini history lesson, like, oh, well, it used to be, you know, the suburban suburban flight. It was just a, a, a wonderful city in the '30s, '40s. Mm-hmm. People move out of suburbs. Industry stays there. People come in from outside areas. No, they moved work. manufacturing uh, overseas or right. inland. Right. So then, um, uh, the capitalists came in right. uh, for cheap rent, and you know, 
all but slave labor. Right. So you got uh, cheap sweatshop labor. Exactly. Economics. You, you have all these people who are who can for, want to live in the city of Vinci who can't afford to live anywhere else, want to work in the city of Vinci because they can't afford to work anywhere else, or people who are coming from outside the city, working in the city in these horrible factory jobs, making jack dick. Mm-hmm. And for the capitalist system, it's happening right here outside of L.A. No one cares. What happened? Jack dick? Jack dick. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's no money. That's, that's no money. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Sorry. So um, there's all that. So uh, yeah, that's... yeah. Uh, jurisdiction of 95 people. That's who lives there. Yeah. That's how many residents are there. Yeah. 95. But yeah, it's a thriving city. 700. City. Uh, what did she say? 700,000 people come into work every day. Work every Where the heck city. do they live? Its own mayor, its own detective force, police force, city councilor, city manager. 75 people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. So uh, so we get that. So we get a lot. I think we get a lot into her, and she and she's getting Phil to be closer to what's happening and it seems to want to know about some stuff. So let's switch over to, uh, oh, and, and, and uh, her as an acting, we give her an A+, plus, right? A+. Plus. Yeah, no, no little discussion there. She's no. just doing it. We She's love, doing it. We love her. Um, believe her. Uh, those knives are coming out, by the way. I don't, can't don't, wait. Don't you think till you know, those knives are coming out and someone's going to bleed out in like 10 seconds. I can't wait. I don't know who it's going to be, but someone's going to bleed out. Someone's going to bleed out. And I don't know who it might be. Can't All wait right. to see it. So uh, let's go to Frank, uh, Vince Vaughn. Uh, man. He's having a rough go, isn't he? Uh, he's having a rough go of it. Like yeah. He was on top of the world. He's like, you know, a gangster who came up through the card houses and the casinos and the, and the, and the, and the strip joints and all that other stuff and the bars. Mm-hmm. He kind of worked his way up to like a very respectable businessman and, and in the city. He's got, he, this is his big shot to get, you know, the, the, to make that big money, the kind of money like where you own land and you, you can give your grandparents, your grandkids land and mm-hmm. they don't know where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, we call it Pasadena money out here. South Pasadena money. Ooh. But like, yeah, and then so that is what he's looking for and he's on his way there so much so that all the work he's worked up, he's gone completely liquid. Yep. $7 million, $5 million or $5 million? $5 million. $5 million liquidated and given it to Ben Casper to make this deal go through where like, well, the money just floods in from state and federal and everyone else to build this high-speed rail and everyone's rich. And you rich. have 12 parcels of land in Monterey. Yes. Everyone's rich and happy and for his portion that to go through... He has to get, get those portions of land, and Casper's going to take care of the whole thing, except for Casper's dead, and money's missing. No eyes and dickless. And- <laughs> I told you. That's, that's my favorite Kenny Chesney song. That's my favorite country song. No eyes and dickless. dickless. So it's like T-Bone Burnett needs to write that one. Into yes, the, please. Uh, like, okay, so I'm sorry. That got me. Uh, oh god, you broke me on that one. Right, so, yeah, poor Casper. Poor Casper. <laughs> not, not much more that can happen. So he, so so uh, yeah. So Frank Simeon is. It's a weird thing because he is a gangster and he is a bad guy. But somehow we, because we love stupid Vince Vaughn, we're we're, we're sympathetic to this guy, right? Absolutely. Like, poor Frank. Well, he's trying to go straight. He's trying to go straight. You know, he put everything on the line just to to have a family and leave them some land. He's and got, he's got the bad get out of all cold, of this. Ice cold wife, you know, who's who's you know who's, who's very supportive She's awesome. and awesome and hot and you know femme fatale, if you will. Uh, you know, uh, Kelly Riley. Kelly Riley. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So why are we? Why do we love he's him? He's been so much? such a sympathetic character right. in, for the majority of these two episodes. Sure. But to see him make that flip and have that hint of mobster. That we know he has, and sure. we know that that we love. Yeah. Um, it was just exciting to see. Like he got a little badass. He put yeah. on those sunglasses. He looked super duper hot. Yeah, and he he Vince Vaughn the heck out of he, it. He, well, that was that scene was so cool. Well, the scene where he went to the the, the, the where they maced the guy, yeah, beat up yeah, the guy, the, the bookmaker and, or whatever he was. I'll get that in a second. But I, yeah. I agree. There's this whole sense of you know back to Godfather three. Every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. Mm-hmm. That's where you get this right. Like he's going straight. It's all good. And like he goes to the the you know goes to the Russian guy in episode one, and he's like, "Hey, we're still on, right?" Russian guy's like, "Ah, I don't know what's going on. Where's Casper?" He's like, "Shit!" So he goes to his, he goes to the uh, the land guy from uh, what's the what's the, the the big holding company? Um, uh, Catalyst. Catalyst. And they're like, "Ah, we can't help you. We can't help you." And it doesn't look like unless you got some more cash. And from the look in your face, you don't have any more cash. So I don't know. He goes to the city manager, uh, uh, mayor. You know, a mayor's like wasted, saying like, "Look, homie, I can do. I'm trying to do what I can for you, but if you don't come with that money, I gotta keep it moving. Business, glug glug glug. I'm wasted. Business. Yeah. So, Vince Vaughn is like, 
He's ethics. So, yeah. It's like I gotta I gotta put the glasses on and go back into games for mode. Mm-hmm. Not only because this is my livelihood and everything else, I'm pissed, but like someone's really trying to f with me. Mm-hmm. And whoever that is is gonna pay. And frankly, I there's something about that side of it is that side of it is. Like I'm like yeah like who's who did this to him and why are they doing this to my boy, my boy Vince Vaughn and go find him Vince Vaughn and so but meanwhile he's a gangster there's that part whatever so to watch him some have all those scenes and then also like to see his you know in episode one he's very much concerned about you know it's almost like he keeps asking around whether it's his wife he's a little sorry go on no no so wait, with his wife or his, or his people like you know is this you know is this you know, should I should I sprung for the country club. Like, is this, is this, are we doing okay? Am I legit looking? Is this all right? Like, he really wants to be legit. And like he doesn't fit in it. He doesn't fit doesn't in it. He doesn't know how to do yeah. it. And it's, 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 and, and I, now watching this now, seeing what he was doing in episode one, when episode one, I was kind of like, I don't know that's what I was doing. I don't know. I don't believe him. And then now, of course, I completely believe him. I thought he, I thought he like really cranked up his acting game in episode two. And then looking, thinking back to how he was playing episode one, which is a guy who did, doesn't quite fit in his suit and trying to figure this thing out with as, with all the power and everything he has as a, as, a, as a former gangster, but a guy who's fully insecure about his place and trying to go straight is brilliant. Well, seeing where he came from, not only this, his amazing monologue in the beginning about you know his father and being locked in the basement yeah. and rats nibbling on his fingers. Talk about but, daddy issues. <laughs> everyone's got him. <laughs> but then we also see, um, we get a glimpse into where he used to work, where the club that he used to be running filled with, you know, hookers and and right. bad nasty things going on. And he says he doesn't miss it at all. But like, that's, that's his past. That's yeah. what he knows. Yeah. So going from that to a country club, there's yeah. a big difference. Yeah, exactly. And he also like, you know, that, that money, like he double mortgaged the house and double mortgaged the, the poker room. The poker room. So, I mean, like, you know, and it still only came up five mil. So that's, that's, that's tough. So, yeah, and uh, uh, we, we did a sense of that, but to see him have those individual meetings and how telling, like, just to sort of watch him go from panic to descent, and then him asking his boys, like, am I, am I, am I confident what, he, what he's asked them? Is like, am I compromised? Or am I leverage? He asked one of his guys, like, I forget the exact word he used, but he's basically trying to figure out his standing, um, you know, among the thing. And it was really, I don't know, I thought it was, I thought it was really telling. Um, I'm looking forward here in my notes, but I don't remember. Oh, am I diminished? Diminished. You know, yeah. Like, he's like, you know, am I, am I diminished? And they're kind of like, Arr. So. He also has a, a level of desperation as well when right. he's talking to, um, uh, the mayor. And he yeah. says, you know, if I, I need a direction, I need to, I need somewhere to turn. Otherwise, I'm going to start t- tearing down walls. Glock, 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 glock. Do what you gotta do. <laughs> I'm wasted. I love, I love, I love the guy. All right, uh, yeah. So and then, um, so, he goes, so he starts tearing down walls. So we see him, like, and then he goes. It's almost like that flip, you know, that that that, that gangster movie, that Charles Bronson movie, or like, or like I think of like the Unforgiven or something, wherever that in those old movies, whether they're gangster movies or whether they're westerns, where it's the guy like, don't make me be the guy. I don't. Or, or History of Violence is another mm-hmm. one. You know, oh, that's a good one. Uh, uh, I don't want to be the guy. I'm not that guy. I'm this guy now. And I left I'll, that behind. Yeah, uh, I don't even know how to. They fall a fist anymore, and all of a sudden, like he's the guy. You're like, oh shit, he's the guy. Mm-hmm. And Vince Vaughn was that. It was great. So to see him go into that mode, and to see him go into his own, like that first conversation he had with, uh, with, uh, with, um, uh, with Ray, like sort of saying, "Here, I need you to get this done. This is what you need to work on. Blah blah blah. Don't worry about it. Just don't ask any questions." He's like, the whole thing shifted from like how it was in episode one. Like, hey, buddy. All right, you're 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 in the bag, but I'm here to help you. And how's the kid? All right. Well, thanks for doing that thing. To like. Uh, I need you to do this thing, and this is what you're doing. He's desperate. Th- don't worry about what it is. And they're like, okay. So, and then to see him go to that bit of what you're going to talk about, where he fully Vince Vaughn's out. So Vince Vaughn's out. Uh, hey, buddy. But, hey, buddy. That was crazy, right? What yeah, happened, man? Great. That was insane. Did yeah. you do something to piss somebody off? Yeah. What was it? Yeah. So the, the, the cool thing about that is, and it's been written about a few times too, but we'll just say it here, is that like, one of the cool things about this performance is seeing Vince Vaughn, who we know for, as being that sort of manic, like, great humorous guy, to see him so, like, sort of subdued and restricted and almost menacing, which you almost don't believe at first because it's Vince Vaughn, but he's doing a great job pulling it off. But then to see that what makes him Vince Vaughn is that stuff. So, yes. So, so for them to find whether it's Justin Lin or whether it was uh, Nick Pizzolato to find a moment from, of Vince Vaughn to be that guy, even if temporarily. And there's been some humorous moments. He's had a couple of humorous moments, like, you know, like, uh, you know, um, you know, he's got to go play. I mean, he, I forget some of the lines he says, but he has some great lines, mm-hmm. which are very kind of Vince Vaughn-esque lines, even in his tough guy mode. But that bit was great. Great. And menacing. So. Kind of yeah. scary. 
And I, I agree with you. Vince kinda Vaughn, hot. I, I'm heterosexual. I don't think that one's qualified. Vince Vaughn's hot. So hot. Like he's back. He's he's dropped some pounds. He fits the suit well. Yes, he does. Glasses, and then and then he came back, and he's pissed. So so in that so when he goes to the strip club. He's walking through the club and that, and that cool sort of walk through the club sequence that's, that's mm-hmm. mandatory and everything you see. Like, that was cool. Like, oh, this guy's cool. He sits down. He's talking to the gangsters. Like, I, I believe that he was in charge. Mm-hmm. When he's talking to the, 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 uh, the, uh, the lady of the evening mm-hmm. slash dancer, uh, I believe that she was afraid of him and, and, and everyone in there. He was the boss. He's the boss. And so all that was like, you know, so that we should say that they got a tip. As to where he, uh, where he being Casper had a set another stash pad in Holly in Hollywood, where he brought some of these girls, and he got that information himself, uh, which he then uh, was able to share with his guy um, uh, Ray uh, Colin Farrell in a scene which really did really showed us exactly what was going on with Vince Vaughn, you know. Um, again, I don't know that we'll see this set piece again because of what happened to Colin Farrell, but <laughs> the set piece of the bar. Like with the, with with the chick with playing the same old song, whatever the song is, and she's doing her thing, like almost like Twin Peaks esque, and that's very sort of Twin feel, Peaks, right? Yeah. And then like they're sitting there, and then the shot with them sitting next to each other, and they zoom in. Like I could do like I could do five episodes in that bar. Yeah. Like I could do like a whole you know web 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 series in the bar, just like them talking. So uh, a lot going on. Very Tarantino esque. Very very uh, David not David Fincher, but. Uh, uh, I don't know the Twin Peaks guy. I'm drawing a blank right now, but uh, very Twin Peaks, um, and um, yeah, I, I loved all that. So Justin Lin did a great job with that. So then we see a different version of this where Frank is menacing. He's like, "Hey, buddy, good news! Like, if this goes right, you, you, you'll be the chief of police." Yeah. And, and, and Colin's like, I, ah, want it. "I don't want it." He's like, don't, you know, "Since when do I ask you what you want? I'm trying to help I'm you." I'm lining all here. this up for you. you know, that's also a very Vince Vaughn thing. Yes. Buddy, I'm lining all this up for you. <laughs> Got this, Mikey. <laughs> I'm trying to set this up. I got it's two, money, baby. It's I, money. I got two honeys over here lined up. You're messing this up. <laughs> like, what are you doing over here? <laughs> Sorry, this went bad. This fun. This was great. Uh, so anyway, but uh, that was cool. And then he's basically yep. like, you do the thing. I don't want to hear you talk about like that. Go get it done. Mm-hmm. Peace. And so I was like, whoa, I believe this guy. 100%. Which brings us to, last but not least, Detective Ray. Velcoro. Velcoro. Man, Ooh. now, talk about a broken man. You know, he's got, he's got some problems, yes, right? Yes, he does. Ray. So he's working this case. He seems to be working it well. He's, he's leveraged because the city, this is what I don't understand, because the city is asking him to work this case for the city reasons, but the city has also got some issues that they don't want, you know, spread out to the world. And he's like, they're kind of in there with the mayor and the chief and everyone else. They're kind of, by the way, chief of police's hair. Nice, Amazing. Nice hair. Nice 1985 hair. <laughs> one of my uncles in like 85. <laughs> like a fro, gray. I mean, like. It's pretty great. It's a good look for 2015 chief of police. Pretty great. Anyway. Um, so, anyway, so he's doing his thing. And uh, I, what I understand is he says, like, am I supposed well, to solve this thing? They they say that they need him in there to control the flow of information, yeah. to like control what comes out, what doesn't, what Bezridis gets to know, right. and what what Woodrow gets to know, what they don't. Just to protect, but, to protect the city. Yes, to okay. protect the city. Right. Um, but I don't think it's really answered if he's supposed to solve it or not. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that doesn't answer. They just like keep it. Keep. But then know. he has to solve it for Vince for Simeon. Well, keep the shit in the horse for like as, as Joe Flippo would say. Simeon wants this thing solved. Uh, for for his own reasons, mm-hmm. we see him then have that heart wrenching conversation. We, we we're, we're almost running out of time, so I don't ah! but we had the heart wrenching conversation with uh, his ex wife in a great scene mm. where he goes from supreme anger to supreme, supreme desperation, oh, pleading every, with her. Every emotion you can possibly have in the book, it, Colin Farrell d- took out the acting bag, dumped it out on the floor, <laughs> and said, "Here it all is," and left it, and stepped on it, and danced, and then laid on it. You know, and I'm like, I'm, and I'm just throwing Emmys. Throwing Emmys at the screen. <laughs> like, that was great. Killing the game with that yeah, scene, Yeah, he really, right? really was. I'm going to have to go through it, but, like, some really good acting. Yes. So, devastated from that. Uh, and then the next scene, we talked about all the scenes with him and Rachel McAdams. We don't have to, re- we don't have to rehash those, but there's some really good scenes in getting into where he is and what he's doing. Um, and then, you know, that last conversation, you get the sense that he is, like, if he doesn't have his son and he doesn't want to be this guy anymore... Um, and he's sort of like, you know, really sort of wearing thin of this notion of being under the thumb of, of Vince Vaughn. He has this conversation with him like, 
I don't, that thing that we did, whatever, how, time ago, like, doesn't matter anymore because my wife's going to take my kid away and I don't even know if the kid's even mine and what am yeah. I fighting for and this all sucks. Yeah. And I don't know. Oh, I want to reference one more thing. The wife, she was saying you used to be good. She got to describe mm-hmm. who you used to be as mm-hmm. a character, which really set me up for like, this is what you wanted out of Colin Farrell's character. He's a broken man, but he's got one last case to solve and he's going to pull whatever's good left in him. He's going to go out there and he's going to spend eight episodes solving this case. Like, goodness, I, I'm like, they're setting this up perfectly. And so he has that conversation with Vince Vaughn, so he's saying, I'm not, I'm not here to do this anymore. And he goes to do it anyway. That conversation with Rachel McAdams, which means, like, he's sort of like, you can see his detective juice is flowing. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I'm going to do something good here. And he goes to check out the place in Hollywood. Mm. And. Don't do it. A guy in a mask. In the crow mask in that was mask. riding in the car next to Casper. Yes. So that's that's and the I same saw guy. I saw when he walked in and all those lines of masks and then one was missing. I was like, no, it's right. the crow. Where's the crow? No. no. So I don't. You know, I, I, you know, I, I'm no, uh, I'm no doctor. No. But I don't know if you survive a shotgun blast to the I chest. I watched Grey's Anatomy, so at tell medium, me. A oh, shotgun blast to the chest at medium uh-huh. range. Yes. And then a shotgun blast to the chest at close range. Yes. Do you survive that? Is there a move? On Grey's, you might. On Grey's? They rush you in? <laughs> on Grey's, you probably open, will. And McDreamy starts going to work? Probably. He's where's, dead. Where's McDreamy? He's dead. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's it's dead, true. right? So McDreamy's that was dead. a shocker. Spoiler. Shocker. Oh, no. McDreamy's, McDreamy's dead. dead. Oh, McDreamy's <laughs> dead. He can't. Okay. Well, uh, that was a that. shocker. So, Absolutely. Well, let's get to it. Is, is, is he dead or not on the show? I just, out of pure desperation, I'm going to say no. Okay. Just because I really, right. really, really don't want him to be I dead. I don't want to see him. I just hope we... we I just we, want eight episodes of Colin Farrell. Or, well, I'm sure we'll get flashbacks or something, but I don't know if he's dead, but I don't know how he, I don't know how he lives, but that looked pretty definitive, and there was no one else in the room, so it, wouldn't, it can't be a move like, we have a stage, and here's some blanks, like you would get on an episode of, like, I don't know, The Blacklist or something, like, you're like you know, there are some blanks <laughs> in the shotgun. We knew the cameras were watching. We wanted to make it convincing. I'm alive all along. I don't know. I, I don't see that maybe happening. Maybe he was a wearing a vest. Uh, uh, so here's no. Uh, maybe he's wearing a vest. Maybe. maybe he was wearing a vest. Maybe I'm desperate here. But I would think that the guy would check that. Anyway, we don't have time for that. So here's what I, here's what I will say. I will say that you know uh, people are freaking out. But look, man, Pizzolatto is writing the story. He did, although he did write these characters tailored for these actors, mm-hmm. so he knew he's doing. But he's writing the story. This is the this is the good news about these eight episodes of television because back in the old days you'd write a story maybe the whole time the story was about uh, Paul Woodrow and Bizzaretti's and them solving these two murders you know like you know one being the, the Vinci mm-hmm. detective, not detective and one being the Vinci uh, city controller city city manager so maybe that's what it's always about and the setup was. You know, but what but what he did was he got us into that that, that character. We knew nothing about Casper. Get, didn't get to find out about Casper. We did, but we got to know everything about Colin Farrell. We're invested in this guy. So invested. And then he, and they kill him. So if this were a lesser show, I don't know, Law and Order or something, it'd be a guest star of the week. We wouldn't know who he was. But we're so conditioned. Oh, it's when you see a big name A list star, you're like, oh, it's Colin Farrell. Well, he's not gonna die. And when he does, it's like, whoa. And and that's the brilliant of of what these mini series series can do. That's what great writing is that's what great execution is so although I'm sad that he's dead I love what that does that's a storytelling device I love what that does for storytelling makes me sad that's all you got that's all I okay, got we'll he's so, wearing a vest okay uh, so <laughs> oh, we'll just go to predictions because there's, there's a lot to go there but there's a lot to cover oh god the show great show lots of that oh god uh, Julia who <laughs> <laughs> oh. What? Yeah. Me? You can go huh? first. Today. Okay. today you can go first. Okay. Um, I still, I don't think that Velcoro killed um, his wife's rapist. Yes. Vince Vaughn referenced the body. He referenced the body. He, he says that there were rumors. Yeah. You'll probably hear rumors that I killed my wife's rapist. Yep. But at no time, you two, uh-huh. um, is it said definitively that he killed this guy. Agreed. So I don't think he did it. I'm going there. I, if anyone killed him, I think uh, it was Vince Vaughn because he said in that flashback scene, "I wanted to do this." I don't know. I just I feel in my heart it was not Ray. Um, I feel like something. I don't know. I'm not even going to mention this one. Something with those recorders. They keep on referencing the recorder he has with his son. Right. Maybe we'll get back to him that well, way. He's, he's got a lot. His son will actually be able to listen to that at some point. I'm yeah. Sure they'll play those. And he's not dead because he was wearing a vest. Well, right. I swear it, a vest. All right. What do you got? Um, what I got for predictions is um, 
I have no idea. For predictions, I, I think that we're going to... I think, I think you we're gonna, get so mad at me no, no, I, I think that. we're going to get some competence. We're going to get some real competence here. I think we're going to get in more. Now we can get more into Paul. Also yeah. Also with so we can see what he's doing and what, what's going on there. Uh, I do really believe that we're going to see uh, Ray again, although I, maybe it is a vest. Um, Wishful thinking. I have no idea. I got nothing. So... Whatever. So there's that. Okay. Uh, that's it. Oh, Episode three next week. I feel like week. we barely even scratched the surface. We like didn't I, get to talk about Casper at all. I know. Nothing about Casper and his, you know, and his... dildos and, <laughs> and, and interesting paintings. Uh, we didn't get to spend enough time in Vinci. The, I think no. we covered I mean, God, yeah, we lot. tried. It's a lot. And no Joe Sanfilippo going up the works. And, no. You know, but next week we'll have everyone, hopefully, with we'll Katie and Joe and all of us, and we'll have more time to give less takes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, less time to give more takes. I don't know. Yeah. Julia, where can the kids find you? Uh, kids, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram with my name, Julia Carely. J-U-L-I-A-C-E-A-R-L-E-Y. And I'm so Joe, do it. I'm Joe Browser. You can find me on Periscope. Uh, wait, Meerkat? Yeah, Periscope, Twitter, and Instagram at Joe K. Braswell, at Joe K. Braswell. Um, yeah, I think that's yeah, it. That's it. Oh, that's all we got. And uh, we'll see you with Joe and Katie here next week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.